Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. So after completing a four-game subway sweep of the Mets, Yankees Twitter account for the win. Bend the knee. That's a Game of Thrones reference, Jamal. I don't get that reference. You need to get on that. I, I stopped fooling around, and I'm almost through season two. I have to restart it. Yeah, I, I got to catch up before next year's final season. See, but you're not alone, though, Jamel. Vikings coach Mike Zimmer says, Game of Thrones, never seen it. I thought it was a video game. <laughs> no, it's not a video game. It's also not a game. I'm telling you, it's serious. I get it now. Now you get all the references. Winter is coming. Huh. More on the Yankees and Vikings actual games coming up. What's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Feel good Friday edition coming up. We'll take you live to Lincoln, Nebraska for the weigh-in for tomorrow night's four-belt unification bout between Terrence Crawford and Julius Ndongo for the undisputed junior welterweight title. And later in the show, we'll discuss what, if any, impact Malcolm Jenkins and Chris Long's show of unity last night will have on our nation's ongoing race relations conversation. Well, first, though, let's start working our way through this incredible list. And we start with Cam Newton after his surgically prepared shoulder was reevaluated. He will not play in the next preseason game against the Titans. Uh, he also didn't play last week's opener against Houston. So does Cam even need a preseason, Mike? I don't think he does. Uh, at this stage in his career, given his uh, familiarity with the system, uh, I don't think he needs to be exposed to any unnecessary danger. I like them playing it safe and smart with him. And it, look, Ron Rivera says he's comfortable if he doesn't give him the preseason at all, right. which is fine. Make him, get him ready for the regular season. Don't compound the mistake that they made last year by not getting the surgery sooner by rushing him back. I'll panic if it's the third game in the preseason. I'm not even going to panic. I'm saying, like, talk to me next week. When it's the mm-hmm. third game, the dress rehearsal, still not throwing, but in the meantime, play it safe. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. I mean, this is somebody we've seen, as you mentioned, the kind of hits that he's taken throughout his career. There's a part of me that wonders, do you want him to see a little bit of game action that that could help I don't him? think he needs it. But, yes, you're right. right. He probably doesn't need it. One <laughs> NFL preseason game tonight. Vikings at Seahawks, 10 Eastern. From Minnesota's perspective, all eyes are on the offensive line and how the first-team offense fares in Seattle against one of the league's premier defenses. Seahawks also looking to get their line together. Will the players join Michael Bennett in demonstration together during the national anthem? And we are now joined by Seahawks reporter Shield Kapadia. The anthem will, per tradition, Shield, start the game. So let's start there. Michael Bennett will sit this season. Do you expect Doug Baldwin and others to join him tonight? I think we are going to see some of the players join Michael Bennett. Now, no one has said that specifically, but my sense just from being around the team all week is that there was a lot of support for Michael Bennett, his message and his gesture, and maybe most importantly, how he explained himself after sitting during the national anthem. And I'm sure these guys saw what happened with Chris Long and Malcolm Jenkins in Philadelphia last night. I think at the very least we'll see somebody support Michael Bennett. Maybe if they don't sit with him, they'll be around him and make sure people know that they support his message. Uh, Now, Sheil, we haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about Russell Wilson. Um, I'm told that there are some changes he's undergone. What can you tell us about the new and improved Russell Wilson? 
I talked to Russell Wilson's nutritionist, and the fact of the matter is he was frustrated last year. He had three different injuries, and he ballooned up to 225 pounds. He couldn't move the way he wanted to at the end of the season. Now, in the offseason, Russell Wilson went on a very specific diet. He gave up gluten. He gave up dairy. He was eating nine times a day with very specific meals, and he got all the way down to 208 pounds. He's moving very well. He's looked very good during training camp, and he's primed to have a monster season, uh, according to a lot of people around this organization. Seahawks also looking to get uh, the running game going. What are you looking to see tonight out of Eddie Lacy, no Thomas Rawls, correct? Yeah, that's right. This could be a nightmare situation for fantasy owners because this team brought Eddie Lacy in to be the primary back, but all summer long it's been Thomas Rawls running with the first team. Now, Rawls suffered an ankle injury, so Lacy's going to get the start tonight, but I'll give you a deep sleeper, a guy to keep an eye on. Chris Carson, seventh round pick out of Oklahoma State. This guy has been tremendous throughout training camp. He's going to get a lot of touches tonight, and this is a guy you could see climb up the depth chart here, a relative unknown in the next couple of weeks. Way to go. Chill, dropping that fantasy tidbit. <laughs> I see it. you. Uh, all right, moving on to another running back situation. The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette is reporting that the Steelers offered Le'Veon Bell a five-year deal that, and where he would have averaged $12 million annually, but Bell turned it down at the last minute. Now, Adam Schefter, however, he spoke with Bell's agent, who said that his client never had any agreement with the Steelers. Bell did not report to training camp, has not signed his franchise tag, Mike, is he overplaying his hand? I don't believe so, even though he wants to be valued for being both a runner and a receiver as opposed to what the running back market says, which is I think Devontae Freeman just became the highest paid in terms of average per year at $8.5 million in Atlanta. But I'm more concerned about the Steelers trying to play him mm-hmm. and play him and his agent, in this case, against each other, like this entire training camp. And I got the utmost respect for the Steelers organization, whether that's ownership, whether that's Kevin Colbert, uh, whether that's Mike Tomlin. Uh, they do a phenomenal job of building, constructing, and maintaining a contender. But this pressure that they've been putting, either publicly or privately, on Le'Veon Bell, trying to paint him out to be the bad guy. And the fact as, that the players, his own teammates, have kind of right. been complicit but in as this. As if it's his fault and his alone that he's unsigned. It takes two to come to a contract agreement. And you, under his rights, under the collective bargaining agreement, collective, he does not have to report until unless and until he decides to sign the franchise tender. So you both made this bed, move over or make yourselves comfortable and sleep in it. And when he shows up, I have no doubt that he'll be ready to dominate to the tune of 130 yards from scrimmage per game. As for the future, I understand why you asked the question because the Steelers do have a second franchise tag they can slap on it. Yeah, I, I do wonder to what end, but I'm not mad at him for understanding his value for not giving in to what is the market for running backs. You mentioned Devontae Freeman's contract, and that's what the market is. Unfortunately, I think he's up against something. I'm not sure if he's going to win this fight, but I appreciate him, appreciate him making it a fight. I just don't like them fighting dirty. No, and, and, and look, like it, it's low-hanging fruit, too, because the easiest thing for management to do is to paint a, a, paint a player as if he were greedy. Okay, Le'Veon Bell is a unique weapon in a game that has devalued his position. He has managed to be above and beyond the standard, and he's just trying to get paid like it. And unfortunately for NFL players, this is the only weapon that they have in order to get paid, which is not to say Withholding their services. Uh, withholding Aaron their Donald's services. doing the same thing in, Exactly. In the, in and so I know fans get frustrated, and it's easy for them to turn on the player. Right. $12 million. Yeah. Who wouldn't want $12 Which is million? why it was really interesting that that specific figure got put out there right. because they wanted, wh- whoever leaked it, they wanted yeah. them to understand, like, oh, well, this is knowing us. Look at what he 
turned out. Well, as usual, it seems like they were only going to pay him what was coming to him anyway. If if they franchise him in back-to-back years, which is about thirty million, if if my math is right, about thirty million or so guaranteed uh, in the first two years. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, if they wanted to incentivize him to cut this short and show up, and he could show up at any day, but if they want to incentivize him, say, hey, we won't tag you next year. We'll let you test the market mm-hmm. and see if somebody is going to pay you along the lines that you expect to be paid. But you can do something to get him in if you want, but right. they won't. They yep. can sweeten this one-year deal, if I'm not mistaken, based on the rules. Yep, they but can. they won't. So both of you made this situation. Yep. All right. Uh, the baseball now. Cubs beat the Blue Jays 7-4. Extending their slim NL Central lead over the Brewers excuse me, to a game and a half. Javi Baez had a two-run home run. Three RBIs overall. Also had a web gym. Jake Arrieta pitched into the seventh, gave up one run. Jays closed to within a run in the eighth, but of course the Cubs will hold on to wins. Bad news though, John Lester, 10-day DL with a sore left shoulder and lap problems after he left Thursday's loss to the Reds in the second inning. Also, Justin Grimm went on the DL Friday with a finger infection, but the star of the day in Chicago, Chicago's own Sarah Spence. <laughs> yes, today is her birthday, and Sarah, this is one of the most creative birthday celebrations I've ever seen. Yep. She recreated Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Of course, it's Sarah Bueller's Day Off, as yep. you see there. They went to Wrigley. They went to Wrigley. I'm sure she hung out with Abe Froman, the Sausage King. Snooty. Snooty. <laughs> right? A, you could never go too far. Um, B, if I'm getting busted, it's not going to be a guy, a guy like that. <laughs> and I think that's her husband there who's playing Cameron. So yeah. I thought this was an awesome ce- celebration. Happy birthday, Sarah. Uh, Happy 21st Portland. birthday. Of course. God, I love her so much. I know. Much. That was so creative. I got to think of something. Bow, now I feel bow. like my, my birthdays are lame looking at something like this. Bow, bow. Oh, Look, you know yeah. we, we on a budget. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. We, you got to watch it. All right, go ahead. All right, Aaron Judge has struck out in 34 straight games, which is one game shy of tying the Major League Baseball record for the longest such streak in a season. I don't know if he's quite proud of that. Uh, during this stretch, though, Judge has struck out a whopping 58 times and is batting only 185. Does a little bit worse against the Red Sox all season mm-hmm. now. But even with the rivalry renewed tonight at Fenway, the biggest story in Boston right now might be happening outside the ballpark. Haunted, as he told the Boston Herald, by the racist legacy of previous owner Tom Yawkey, who led the team from 1933 to 1976, Red Sox owner John Henry wants to rename Yawkey Way in front of Fenway Park. A spokesperson for Boston Mayor Marty Walsh told the Herald that the mayor is supportive of renaming Yawkey Way. Henry said he'd like to rename the street that runs alongside the ballpark David Ortiz Way or Big Poppy Way after the retired Red Sox slugger. But Henry does not run the process. Mookie Betts said, quote, I don't know much about the Yawkey family. I do know that our front office, Sam Kennedy, I'd be president of the team, and those guys do a great job making Fenway a place where everybody's welcome. So I support everything they do at this point. John Farrell said, this is well beyond our day-to-day at field level, but there have been so many efforts to pay attention to our social needs in our community. In the city of Boston, our ownership does a great job of trying to create an atmosphere of inclusion and take very intangible and active steps to do that. Now, not everybody was on board. This is from the Yawkey Foundation. Gene and Tom Yawkey's philanthropy has always been colorblind. Their extraordinary generosity has made a significant impact on Massachusetts and the greater Boston community, contributing more than $450 million to hundreds of nonprofit organizations and helping improve the lives of thousands of disadvantaged children of all backgrounds. We are honored to have the Yawkey name on so many organizations and institutions that benefit Bostonians of all races and disheartened by any effort to embroil the Yawkeys in today's political controversy. Close quote. You know your reaction. So uh, I understand um, 
And, and it reminds me of the situation with the Washington football team, right, where you have a name um, that has clearly been identified as a slur, that is their team name, but so many Washington fans are just dug in and they don't want to distance themselves from that or give that up. It, the owner himself is, it, it obviously holds that opinion. But I, I think what people have to understand, because a, a lot of people look at this, they look at the movement in the country where you're seeing Confederate uh, monuments being torn down, is that part of us ever really healing um, or really acknowledging what our past really was like, these are great steps that go a long way in doing that. Um, my grandmother, when she was alive, hated the Tigers. She hated the Tigers because they were once owned by a man named Walter Briggs Sr., who was a notorious racist, who has connections to the Yawkey family. The second to last team to integrate in baseball was Detroit mm-hmm. because he would never sign a black baseball player. And the stadium was called Briggs Stadium before it became Tiger Stadium. And, of course, now it's Comerica Park. Mm -hmm. I say that to say that if my grandmother, through her dying day, felt that uncomfortable talking about the Tigers, rooting for the Tigers, she rooted against them to fail many, many times. How do Red Sox fans think that African-Americans in the Boston community feel about the Red Sox knowing that this past has been such a living, breathing part of their history. I can answer that question for you. They don't have to think. They know how some fans think, how some fans feel about that history. They have been told that some fans are uncomfortable going to Fenway Park and going to Red Sox games because that street is named after Tom Yawkey. And as you mentioned, last team to integrate in 1959, passed on Jackie Robinson and Willie Mays. Could have had Ted Williams and Willie Mays in the same outfield, okay? But... You know, for those that don't know, uh, I spent most of my adult life in Boston. Uh, started as an intern at the Globe in 99 and 2000. Just moved out of the Boston area in 2014. Boston was always good to me. Um, I was there at the perfect time from a career standpoint. Uh, I, Boston gave me my family. So I, I, I love that place. I really do. But one of the things that people have to understand in that community today, those that are resistant to this change, is... If you're ever going to distance yourself and rid yourself, I'm talking about the community, of your racist reputation, Boston is a very unique kind of racism in that, nope, this is what I mean by that, and you know this as well as I do, never, is, never are Bostonians more defensive or more racist, racist excuse me, than when they try to defend themselves against the racist rep- it, rep- reputation then, in history. Then it becomes the racism Olympics. Exactly. Then it's yeah. like, well, we're not the only city that's racist, or this is our past. Well, own that it is your past, and this is an opportunity for you to distance yourself from that past. Something, another thing people need to understand, this is not a knee-jerk reaction to, to, to do what everybody else is doing around the country. This has been in the works for months. It was accelerated by the Adam Jones incident. And the, the lifetime ban of the, uh, the, the fan who was you know, using, using racial slurs uh, during the national anthem. So this is something that they've been thinking about for a while. And it is not a referendum on the philanthropic efforts of the Yawkey family. What it is is an opportunity to say, hey, this is the reality of the situation. If, we, if we're ever going to if this country in general and this organization and this community in particular is ever going to, if not atone for its original sin of race, original sin of racism, 
at that minimum, you have to repent, which means to change your mind. You have to repent from that sin. And the first step in that is owning that history. So instead of people telling on themselves, and I can only imagine what the talk radio oh. airways are like today mm-hmm. about this subject. Instead of people telling on themselves, if you say, hey, we're not what everybody makes us out to be, don't perpetuate the stereotype by being resistant to this change. Right. And uh, you mentioned you're wondering what things are like in Boston. Let's go to somebody uh, who's in that area. The man who literally wrote the book on this topic, Howard Bryant, a senior columnist for ESPN, the magazine, wrote the book, Shut Out, A Story of Race and Baseball in Boston. Howard, uh, what's your sense, uh, what's your feel for how Boston's fans, how Boston fans feel about this decision to rename Yawkey Way? Well, actually, to be honest, I, I take a couple of issues with things that Michael said. I think the first thing is that this hasn't been in the, in the works for months. This has been in the works for decades. Oh, yeah. This is something that people <laughs> right. have been talking about since I was a little kid. Yeah. I mean, this I is mean, not on the part a, of the organization. You, know, you have to remember that, that the, well, even on the part of the organization, two years ago, I'm in Nashville at the winter meetings, and a Red Sox executive walks by me and says, what do you think of changing the name from Yaki Way? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's two years ago. And so, obviously, John Henry has thought a lot about this. And I, to be honest with you, I think that there's something else at work here. And I think that something else at work is that word that we use incorrectly all the time, but we're going to use it correctly here, legacy. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're John Henry, when John Henry bought that team in 2002, January, he and I sat down before uh, I was finished with the paperback version of Shut Up, and he said to me, I want to make you two promises. The first promise is, is that we are going to do whatever it takes to win a championship for this city. And the second thing we're going to do is I'm going to promise you that whatever we were before, we will be no longer. That was 14 years ago. And he was talking specifically about the Red Sox and the Red Sox history. So I think that on the one hand, there is a lash moment that we're having in this country, whether we're talking about Charlottesville or the Adam Jones thing, and I think it's an enough is enough type of thing. But I also think from a legacy standpoint, if you're John Henry, you've got to be sort of in mission accomplished mode. I didn't bring you one championship. I got you three, right? Have, I, have, have we ever had a black manager? No. Have we had a black GM? No. Have we done the front office stuff? John Henry also said that he wanted to have a, a black minority partner. That hasn't quite happened, I don't think. But in terms of changing the attitude of, the, of fans toward the Boston Red Sox, from losers to winners, from uh, exclusive to inclusive, this is sort of the last thing. The Yankee name is the last thing that connects yesterday to today in terms of what this team has been for the last 15 years. What's the reaction um, from the people you know, friends, family, um, or, or just people that you've been following uh, in terms of this news? What, what, what kind of reaction have you seen? Has it been mostly well-received? Is it split? Well, Is it a controversy? It's, a little... it's mostly well-received because I hang out with people that, <laughs> that never liked that name and that are sort right. of cognizant of it. So obviously um, my group is not, the, is not the right group, but I will say this. I personally am a little conflicted about it because of the dynastic nature of the Red Sox. I do care a lot about history. And when you do think about history, I agree with you, Michael, that this is a way to say goodbye to that history. But the Yankee name, as you know, is all over Boston. It's all over hospitals. It's on the subway stop across the street from Fenway. It is everywhere. It's the, the, the money, the millions that the Yankee Foundation put in New York to get the Jackie Robinson Museum off the ground. The Yaki name is right on top of that museum down in Tribeca. So it's everywhere. And so I think that the name's not going to go anywhere. To answer your question, I think that most people feel 
Like, this is a sort of an interesting thing in terms of creating a new history. You put David Ortiz's name on it. You put the Red Sox name on it. I think it would be a way of saying that we're here for the long haul and that that chapter is closed. This chapter begins, and it begins very differently than, than when we brought the team. And that's a good point, because as prominent as the Yawkey name is, it will continue to be in terms of the foundation. It, it goes to show you that you can recognize and, and, and honor somebody's Let's go back to that word legacy, somebody's contributions, if you will, to the community without uh, memorializing or, or, or canonizing them with a street name. You know, that, 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 you don't have to have both in order to respect what somebody did for exactly. the community. Yeah. Well, thanks, Howard. We uh, appreciate, appreciate you, you man. Us. That's right. And, Michael, there's yes. one other. Oh, oh, sorry. Thank you, guys. No, yeah. go ahead. What's no, up? No, oh, we no, go. Go. no oh, you go ahead. What's up? Oh, I was, I was, oh, I was just going to say that the it's also let's remember that the name of the street was Jersey Street and it was named. Yaki Way, after Tom Yaki died in the, in the summer of 1976. So the name has been there for 40 years. It hasn't been there for 100 years. Mm-hmm. So things change, and if it has to change, it's a gigantic, monumental step that John Henry has stepped in and pretty much done what he said he would do. I don't really have a problem with that. All right. All right, man. Thank you so much for the insight. We appreciate it. Tomorrow night, Terrence Crawford and Julius Ndongo will face off for the undisputed junior welterweight title. Both men will enter the match unbeaten with Crawford owning the WBC and WBO junior welterweight titles, while Ndongo has the WBA and IBF titles. Let's talk a little (laughs) little bit more about this junior welterweight title, Mile, with our man Joe Tessitore. Uh, (laughs) Joe, uh, both men will enter the ring unbeaten. How do you think Terrence Crawford will respond to Julius Ndongo's unorthodox softball style? Well, listen, I, I think it's very loud here, by the way, so let me apologize off the start, because this is what boxing should always be about, a homegrown champion in front of his home fans here in Nebraska, and they are very, very rowdy here at the way, and rather than a sterile environment of a casino out in Vegas, we're loving this atmosphere and vibe right now. Listen. This is a tricky guy in Ndongo for many reasons. He's tall, he's fast, he's a southpaw, but he's fearless coming on the road in a spot like this. He fought his first 20 fights back home in Namibia. Then he goes to Moscow and knocks out a champion in one round. Then he travels to Scotland and destroys another champion in Ricky Burns. Now, 15,000 miles in one year on his calendar to come here in Nebraska to take on Bud Crawford. Obviously, his physical skill set is going to give anybody problems. But Bud Crawford is among the most skilled fighters in the world. His ability to do it any which way. He's a sublime boxer, but whether it's the orthodox stance or turning southpaw and the ability to knock you out and punish you with either hand, that's different. That's what makes him currently number six on ESPN.com's pound for pound list. As you see the stare down right now, and I'll tell you, this is a real treat right here to look at this, guys, because when do you ever see four belts? How rare is it to use the term undefeated, undisputed, but one of these two men will be that as it's getting physical right now. You can see Carl Moretti, the longtime matchmaker for Top Rank, oh. is having to separate the two camps right now. There's it's a lit. lot of respect between <laughs> both camps leading up to this, but the pressure right now is really palpable here as we are 24 hours away and Bud is feeling it. All right, Joe, don't get hit, man. Stay woke. (laughs) Don't worry about that. (laughs) So Joe Crawford got the hometown crowd behind him in Nebraska. How much pressure's on him, man? 
Guys, I got to apologize. I'm having a tough time hearing you with what's going on here. This crowd is really roaring here as we try to capture more of this. Listen, I couldn't hear your question, but let me tell you a little bit more about what we're dealing with here. It has been 11 years in boxing since we've been able to have an undisputed champion in any weight division. It is so rare. At 140 pounds, we've never had a champion claim all four belts. But that is what we're going to have tomorrow night on ESPN. We were able to visit with both guys over the course of the last two weeks. Indaga, we've told you, is fearless. Crawford feels that with a victory here at home against an undefeated two-belt champion, he will make the case to be called the number one pound-for-pound fire in the world. That's why you're a professional TV guy, and that's how you sell a fight right there. That's the way you sell a fight, Joe Tessitore. I'm selling, brother. I'm selling. 10 o'clock ESPN Saturday night. Check it out. We will see you. Thank you, Joe. We appreciate it. Way to earn that money. Time for a football segment to be named later, which is probably the name of the segment. (laughs) When I say the boy's got his own money, the boy has got his own money. Makes down like a welfare case. (laughs) Penn State approved a new contract for head coach James Franklin in which he will average about $5.8 million per year. The new deal comes, of course, after he led Penn State to an 11-3 record. Big Ten title last season. Speaking of, Mm -hmm. if you recall, the playoff selection committee didn't select Penn State for the playoff. Right. We both thought that was wrong, right. even though they beat Ohio State. And one of the yeah. Right. Right. Well, Urban Meyer told ESPN's Chris Lowe that Penn State belonged in. Say what now? <laughs> the now. Let's focus on the now. Like, that's real easy to say now. Right. Like, that's not going to get them back in the playoff. Now, granted, you know, USC, Sam Darnold took care of business. But Penn State will be back. Congratulations. Well earned. Yeah, I, but I think Urban Meyer, as he explained, I understood his explanation because a lot of people raised their eyebrow. He was just saying if he were in that position, he would feel that way. All right. Uh, Blake Bortles. Speaking of movies, you know what it reminds me of? Mm. Reminds me of that scene in Kill Bill, Volume 2, when Mamba and California Mountain Snake in the hallway. Like, you don't even have a future. I, I oh, think Chad is like, I, I, you know, I don't think, like, he's in his head. He's yeah. in his own head right now. He's short on and things. He got the yips. Yeah. He got the yips. I will. It, you know, it's too much pressure. He's on national TV, unfortunately for us. It's too, too much pressure on him right now. Well, the way it's looking, um, a lot of people think they should cut him sooner rather than later. Right, not have to guarantee his money. When Chad Henney is an upgrade, you got problems with uh-huh. all due respect. New England Patriots rookie defensive end Derek Rivers, torn ACL, sprained LCL. Of course, he was a third-round pick for the Patriots, their first pick in this year's draft. Um, I'm not worried about it because Belichick in his front office as shrewd when it comes to personnel acquisition. Even though they are thin at this position. They are. I know let's talk about maybe talking Rob Ninkovich out of retirement, but look, Matt Patricia, they'll scheme around it. I have seen this team, and as we all have, I've seen so many times them turn water into wine or make chicken salad out of chicken, you know what, when it comes to injuries. So in position, injuries can change everything. Still like them to go undefeated. Yeah, they have. Which I know you want to hear that. They have the benefit of the doubt, that's for sure. It would take a white player to be able to uh, really get the get things changed because a lot of people, when somebody from the other side understands and they step up and they speak about it, um, it will change the whole conversation because you bring somebody who doesn't really have to be a part of the conversation to bringing himself and making himself vulnerable in front of it. And I think when that happens, things will really take a big jump. Well, Chris Long answered the call. He put his arm around Malcolm Jenkins in support as Jenkins raised his fist during the national anthem during last night's Eagles-Bills game. Here's what both players had to say about what the gesture meant. It was a hard week for everybody. I think it's not just um, a hard week for somebody being from Charlottesville. It was a tough week for America. Um, And, like, really, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, you need white athletes to get involved in the anthem protest. 
I've said before I'll never kneel for an anthem um, because the flag means something different to everybody in this country. But um, I, I support my peers, and if you don't see why you need allies for people uh, that are fighting for equality right now, I don't think you'll ever see it. Um, and with all the things that are going on in the country, I think it's important for us to show that unity and that support. Um, and I, I think it just continues to draw even more attention and, and pull at people's conscience to feel more responsible for their role and how our country is right now and how each individual, you know, is responsible for what we see. All right, and now here to speak for white people, mm-hmm. Kenny May. That's right. Thank you for Way joining us. Way to bring some levity into With the woke awards coming up soon, <laughs> I just want to get some more points. Gotcha. But I mean, the thing is, people misunderstand, we work together, right. but I, I love you guys. Like, we're friends. We've been friends for a long time, so... I'm not saying I have black friends, but, <laughs> but I did. My point is, we're doing this because we care. Like, how many times yeah. do we trade taxes? Oh, right, my goodness. The right. like, right. like, all this stuff matters. Right. It matters to everybody in a different way, just like those, those two guys just said. Everybody sees it differently, sees the flag differently. But like I said with you the other day, peaceful dissent is patriotic. You know, what Ben is doing, what some others have done. Um, and I, I just don't understand how one player doing what he does, or she, right, uh, is affecting anybody. Everybody else can look at the flag. They, they can think about the high principles that flag represents. Right. And, and, and they, interrupting it. He's, if somebody stopped others from doing it, yeah. then I'd have a problem. If they burned a flag at midfield, I have a problem. Yeah. But, but they're doing a peaceful dissent. And there's so many things to be, have dissent about. You know? Like I said, remember last night I said, black people don't have a monopoly on being upset about the current state of America. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a bunch of folks that are upset, all different shades. I'll make one quick point. Because your, your point is, it means... Every, it means something to everybody, and it means different things to everybody on different levels. Not everybody looks at the, what the flag represents in this country in the same way, which is the point of it being a personal choice. But on the flip side, if there is a bright side to this ongoing conversation, it should make those who stand and salute the flag, it should make them appreciate it that much more. Instead of just doing it out of tradition and out of habit, stop and think about what you're doing, what you're saluting, what, you, what, you sta- what are you standing yeah, for? Yeah. It should make you appreciate it that I much sort of more. I talked about that on Twitter. It's like, and I meant this seriously, even though it sounded silly. My, I come from a family of anthem singers. My nieces sang the anthems at the Seahawks and Sonics. The, the Red Wings used to fly my nieces in because they could kill the, uh, the Canadian anthem as well. So my sister sings. My daughter sang at her high school. Anthem means a great deal to me. I used to almost cry when my family mm-hmm. was singing it. It means a great deal. And I love my country more than I ever have right now, even though we're in this chaos. Right. Like, I care about it more than I ever have. You love her so much, it gives you the right to perpetually criticize her. I, that's, that's, that's the kind first of the way it works. You can stand across the street and yell, the president is an idiot, whether it's this president, the last president, or any president. That, that's your right, as long as you do it peacefully. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's what seems to be going on. So I, I just think the thing about it, it gets conflated where, oh, he's anti-military because it's like now the first guy to go to Kaepernick was Nate Boyer, yeah. Army veteran, I Green Beret. That, I found that the people who say anti-military typically are in the military. Yeah. yeah. That's, right. that's just my anecdotal now, experience. Now, we should have proper respect for the flag. But but one of the proper respects for the flag would be let's make this country as great. Correct. Let's make that flag stand for all that good stuff that's in the Constitution, which was written a long time ago by people who owned slaves. However, we then had a war. We put that away. And since then, <laughs> there's been this fight to get equality. And, and it's not just equality. There's there's the whole issue of the current administration. Right. We have nobody to talk for that side. So we don't have to go there. But 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 speaking to the point specifically of this gesture uh, that to have Chris Long, to have a white player now, uh, involved in this. And anybody who knows Chris Long, this is not oh, surprising. Not like, he's woke too, all right? And everybody has known this. But do you think 
that that show um, that that visual of having a white player and a black player next to each other for something like this that has caused a lot of divisiveness. Do you think that that will change how people are viewing this conversation? I hope so. I, I thought it was a manly and loving thing to do. It was like a beautiful moment. A teammate said, I'm, I'm standing up. I have my hand on my heart, but I'm also saying I get where you're coming from. I'm not you. I can't be in your shoes, but whatever, you, whatever you're doing this for, I'm your teammate. I'm going to stand with you as you make your protest. But I, I want... And the game goes on. The game's three hours. The yeah. anthem's two minutes and 40 seconds. If you, whatever you do, do it for yourself. Right. Do it because it's the right thing. Do it because you believe it in your heart as much as the next man. Just You may not be able to relate to Malcolm Jenkins' experience, but I think Chris Long actually believes in the movement. And the only thing that I, I'm pessimistic about whether it's going to change minds, because I don't think, just like black people are not a monolith, I don't think whoever is dug in on the quote-unquote other side, which I don't know what the other side is of equality, it's called inequality, but whoever is dug in on the other side, I don't think they're going to look at somebody who looks like them and that's going to change their mind. Oh, well, since Chris Long is down for the cause, yeah. then I should be down for the cause. And secondly, I just hate that it takes a person with less melanin to give this movement more credibility. Well, it shouldn't have to be validated. There's no reason. It, that shouldn't be the turning point for somebody. If you say, oh, well, since white people are involved, then I guess I, I guess it's a good cause. Right, right. It's a good cause in and of itself. Well, and again, there are so many different reasons why somebody might be doing whatever protest they might be doing. You know, there's a myriad number right. of reasons to be upset about the, the exactly. state of Exactly. Not just race relations, Long, gender relations. You no, know, Chris Long does in his spare time. He goes to Africa and builds wells for people who don't have water. I mean, yep. A lot of people, Michael Bennett does great things in this community, great family man. He's a great teammate. Marshawn Lynch does so much oh, good in so many Oakland cities yeah. and Seattle. And Seattle. I yes. saw him show up at a Special Olympics event. He didn't have to show up. He, he showed up because he said he would be there, and then he went down to Oakland to start playing. He changed his lifestyle. And there's so many good people doing good things. I think that's a great measurement of patriotism. There you go. I see people at football games. Going to the bathroom, buying a hot dog, walking around. Oh, are they not patriots? I keep saying posture is not a representation of patriotism. Mike, did you happen to catch first take this morning? It was very, very calm. I'm tired of you not listening to me. I'm tired of you hearing what you want to hear. I'm tired of you You lumping it into. Listen, I'm tired of you hearing good guys and bad guys, my side and the bad side. I'm I'm tired of you saying anything that disagrees with you is beyond the realm of politics. I'm tired of being moral. I'm tired of you saying it's moral versus immoral. And Kevin Durant is on one side and all the immoral are on the other. And in the process process of you, you cloaking yourself in this clear morality that anyone that has even the slightest bit of nuance of disagreement with you is somehow evil. In the process of you doing this preening, this peacocking on TV, you don't hear a single thing that somebody says to you. We'll set up, man. Like, you know what? Max, blink twice if you're being held hostage. So, <laughs> we can laugh about this. We can laugh about this. We because they got, we got it. There's only thing to keep them crying nowadays. First of all, thank God they were in the studio together. I'm saying. Number two, unfortunately, there. and on a serious tip, that's uh, what it's become. Whatever network it is we're discussing this, it becomes about trying to out-intellectualize the next guy and not about the issue at hand. Right. Um, it was great TV. I'm not going to lie. I was all in. All right. Woo. Nick Pope had an extra point block, and he missed a 47-yard field goal. During their preseason game last night against the Jags, after the game, Dirk Cutter said that's not quite what we're looking for out of folk. I bet it's not. Roberto Aguayo, yeah, he'd have probably done the same thing, but still. I, I, I was going to say, you act like that means Roberto Aguayo is good. No, it what it does bad. is prove why the pick was right, because you want to solidify a position that can
can get you fired. Like, there is nothing you, you will say that will ever justify the moving up. Who said it didn't justify? I don't even justify it. It was the right pick. It's no, not about the results. It's about the intent. The it intent is about was the right. results. It is totally they could have about the They could have the guard. Results. The guard could have Why did they, they had to move up to get a bad kicker? Do they have a kicker now? They don't. Do they have a kicker now? No, they don't. Is Robert to go ahead and run over never missed no. in, in life. All right, there's a custody <laughs> battle taking place in St. Louis over the Rally Cat. The Cardinals are in a battle with a nonprofit organization. Uh, they have publicly said the cat will return to Bush Stadium, but the nonprofit fired back saying no decisions have been made. They're really fighting over a cat. That's just, I, you know, I, I don't really I, understand. I know, you're, I know you're a cat person. By the way, Adam Wainwright also on the DL. There's a little news in there for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, right elbow impingement. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a cat person, but I would never. I know you're not. Oh, you're a cat person. I'm not. I right. can't stand cats. They, they get on my nerves. Literally, they move too fast. They're too sudden. They're too sometimey. Uh, they're very, wait, they're very wait, moody. Wait. How is a cat sometimey? Y'all didn't say sometimey in Detroit? We sometimey? did, but yeah. how is Sometimes the... they feel like being bothered. Sometimes they don't. Like, I, wait, you live in my house. I feed you. You should always want to be bothered. Dogs always want to be bothered. Yeah, because they're simple. They just, they're just real simple. The St. Peter's, <laughs> okay, this is not simple. The St. Petersburg Bowl will reportedly now be called the Bad Boy Moore's Gasparilla Bowl. Bad Boy, like, take that, take that? Uh-uh, uh-uh. Will Puffy be on hand? Laying, laying down, do I get the Met Gala? <laughs> that's a real name for a bowl. Is that on our air? Are we? I'm sure it'll be a fine game. It'll be a great game. Be the best Please game. Please watch it. <laughs> it be the best game of whole season. Say the name. See, that's when they want us to move on. They roll it. They yeah. was like, okay, don't get in trouble. So this teacher uh, provided students, teacher in Oklahoma, I should say, with a handout telling them to be less like Kevin Durant and more like Michael Jordan. Because according to the teacher, KD left OKC for Golden State after failing uh, to, or falling. or falling, sorry, to failing. the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. Don't be like KD. Don't take the easy way out. So don't, don't you stick the teacher. Don't, we'll no. stick the sports. You stick the teacher. <laughs> Keep the sports editorializing out of your lesson and plan. And KD tweeted whoever oh, did did? should be fired and thrown in jail. <laughs> Look extreme. Twitter KD is something. Yeah, he's it's out like, there. It's hoodie mellow and Twitter KD. Um, but encouraging kids not to be like somebody who became a professional athlete who made millions of dollars, who's living his dream, who's a good citizen. Why would you do People that? People would not let it go even if it was the best player on the court. That's a, a high-level penny right You could also say be like him and sacrifice. What happened um, Really feel bad for Blue Jays reporter Hazel May. She was the recipient of this poorly aimed Powerade shower. But, hey, let's take you guys to the best 60 and 60. In history, it was only one Martin Luther King Jr. It was only one Malcolm X. Those types of historical figures come along only every so often. Colin Kaepernick is built for it. Malcolm Jenkins is built for it. Michael Bennett is built for it. We inspire kids. Don't inspire them just to be athletes, but inspire them to be change makers. Miss me with the I got miles to feed. Because they got plenty of people out here and got a pot to piss in or window to throw it out of that's putting their lives and their livelihoods on the line for the people who can't speak for themselves. Is he a penny with a hole in it? Is he hopeless? <laughs> Shout out to Deion Ferris. Right? He's not encouraging the fact that Doug Marone, when he was asked how much he wants Blake Bortles <laughs> to throw, and he said, not at all. You used to call Matt Stafford a broke Jay Cutler. <laughs> and I, I just did. thought that was just the most ridiculously disrespectful thing I've ever heard you say. He's going oh, from insecure. You insecure? Uh-huh. Don't, don't insult no, Lawrence. That, I will he, get Lawrence Hive on you. He is what, t- what, what your girl the bank teller called him, right? He Stop is. Stop talking about the bank teller. Her name is Pops. <laughs> the star of the day in Chicago, Chicago's own Sarah Spain. <laughs> she recreated Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Of course, it's Sarah Bueller's Day Off. Hey, Maddie, 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 Maddie. I'm sure she hung out with Abe Froman, the Sausage King. Snooty. Snooty. Snotty. <laughs> right? A little hard in the paint action for you. Uh, Mike. Who is that? That is Kyrie Irving. He shaved his beard. Like 10 years ago, Kyrie Irving? <laughs> oh, no, like today, Kyrie Irving. Wow. So, what do you think? 
New beard, new him, new team. <laughs> it's like, I'm changing everything. Well, KD said they love each other, him and LeBron, they're going to work it out. Um, I'm telling you. Well, Mama going to work it out. Mama going to work it out. work it out. When's the last time you shaved your beard? It's been a minute, clearly. Okay. I'm going to let it go. Let it go as long as I can. Oh, all right. It's easy top, actually. They, they don't think you're making a statement. Or that silly beard. <laughs> uh, Russell Westbrook named the NBA Players Association's Voice Awards 2017 MVP, no surprise. Also took home, I think, toughest to guard, if I'm not mistaken. And best dressed. Which yeah. which fits. Yeah. Yes, it definitely I fits. Agree. I agree. He's, he's certainly um, a very adventurous dresser, that's for sure. Takes but chances. I actually forgot that players were still doing this because they made such a big stink. A couple of years ago, a yeah. Years ago, having more not credibility. having their voice in it. Yeah. And they did that one award and that was the one award show and that was it. All right, before we call it a day, let's tell people who had a good day. Congratulations to Derek. Jeter and his wife, Hannah, celebrating the birth of their first child, Bella Rain Jeter. Oh, recently announced that Jeter is, of course, part of the group that purchased the Marlins, will be in charge of the business and baseball operations for the team. And, Mike, I'm dedicating my good day to you. Take off your jacket. <laughs> you can't take it all the way off. I need to help you. Right, my ID is right. Take off your jacket. All right. Were you going for Steve Jobs or Ethan Hunt? Just one. Good company. The guy in the middle is the best-looking guy here. Rest in peace, Steve Jobs. Are you, were you going to come through the six and, like, be suspended Did over I do there? a good job? Just wondering. Your shoe game, you're coming up. Look at you keeping up, huh, player? Pradas. That's how it is. Yeah, I Stun on them. <laughs> Have a good weekend. We'll see you all Monday. Sports Center continues next. Zubin Mahinta, take it away.